I hope you all had an awesome day. We, we had a good day. Uh, it's getting to know more about Gladstone. That's really awesome. Everywhere we've gone, getting to know all the different towns. We, we get to, we're actually very privileged, uh, Bianca and I, this year is our first year, uh, really traveling with my parents and getting to know all over, you know, cultures uh, over the world. And it's really awesome experience. And getting to know you guys, uh, it's, it's really awesome. And uh, we are very excited for what God's going to be doing in the future. And yeah, we are happy to be here. Amen. Who's ready to give again tonight? Who's ready to step into that obedience uh, that I was speaking on last night? Quickly, before I continue, turn to your neighbor and tell them, God cares about my wants. God cares about my wants. In Philippians 4 verse 19, if you can quickly open your Bibles in Philippians 4 verse 19. And he says, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, I just want to stop there. So we know that God is always going to supply our needs. Amen. God is always going to make a way where there seems to be no way. But the thing is, many times people read this verse and then they stop at need. They think God only cares about their needs and that he doesn't care about, you know, their wants as well. But... That's not true. Who knows that we have a loving father? Amen. And as a father, he cares about his children. We are his children. We, the, the day we give our lives to God, it's like we, we become his children. Amen. You know, God is not managing an orphanage. He's not just a manager of an orphanage that makes sure you, 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 know, you have a meal a day, you have a shirt on your back, and then, you know, you just kind of scrape through life. You know, God is a father to the orphans. There's a big difference between someone who just manages an orphanage and a father who has adopted us into his family. Amen. And so God has taken us into his family and he wants to bless us and he cares about our wants. He wants to make us happy. He wants to to do more for us. Amen. If you can quickly open uh, in John 14... Uh, let's read from verse 13. John 14, 13. Jesus is speaking. And he says, And whatever you ask in my name, whose name is that? Jesus. Whatever you ask in the name of Jesus, that I will do that the Father may be glorified. Amen. Uh, let me read it again. And he says, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything, is there a limit to anything? No, there's no limit to anything. He says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen. So God sees, Jesus wants us to ask. And it's simple, you know, many people are like, why, why, why does God want us to ask for stuff? It's simple, so that the Father will be glorified through the Son. See, every time God does something for us, every time He makes a way, the Father gets glorified. Amen? And that's how we live with testimonies. It builds up faith so that the Father can be glorified every single time that He comes through for us. Amen? Amen. I know many people now ask, okay, so, Stephen, when does God say no? Because it's like, okay, there's no limit. We can just ask for whatever we want. It doesn't always work like that because I know we, sometimes we ask for things and they don't come. So I, I have three reasons why God will say no. 
Reason number one is when it violates the purpose that he has for us. See, many times people are asking for things that go against the purpose that God has for us. Amen. So, okay, a, a quick example. We're busy on uh, money, finances. So, if someone asked for $10 million right now and God had to give it to them, who knows that that very $10 million could be the thing that actually pulls that person away from their pur purpose. It pulls them actually away from what God wanted them to do in this life. Amen? So we need to know we have to come and stand on the Word, and whatever we ask for, we must make sure that it is aligned with the Word of God. Amen? Make sure whatever you ask for God does not violate your purpose. Amen? The second reason is we, when you weren't found faithful with the little. I spoke on this last night, our obedience. When we weren't obedient, when God was testing us, we get no. <laughs> it's as simple as that. God is going to test us, and it's going to be our choice. Like I said last night, it's our obedience that will allow God to give us more in the future. Amen. And the third reason, this is my favorite reason why God would say no. He says, because He's known now, could be a bigger yes later. See, many times God is holding things back from what we're asking now because He's going to release it bigger in the future. He knows the right time to release things in our lives, and He's going to release it in a time when we think, oh, everything's going wrong, everything's not working out, and then He's going to give it to us, and He's going to give it even bigger to us than we could have ever imagined. Amen? He's just going to blow our minds when that yes comes through. Amen. So those are three reasons why I believe God will say no. Uh, just a quick little testimony again of Bianca and I getting blessed. We were in South Africa uh, just before we came uh, over to you guys. Uh, and we were there. We were sitting um, the one day and we were talking. And it's like, we really want to go see the Great Barrier Reef. And this was now uh, five weeks ago. And we were in Cairns area, and that first weekend we were here, uh, we, we just, we asked God, like, we want to go to the Great Barrier Reef. Like, like we want to do that. That's like bucket list. If you're not from Australia, that's a big thing for us, okay? So we sow $20 uh, into the first offering when we get to Australia. And we, actually that day, we just asked God, because usually we give our seed a name. Who does that? Who gives their seed a name? So we give, we, we just said, God, with this $20, do what you want. We, we actually prayed. It was like, whatever you want to do for us, just do it. So that was our prayer with that seed. And it was, I think, three days later, yeah, two days later, a lady came to Bianca and I. She was, um, and she was what, what do they call it? Uh, like a travel agent or a daughter was a travel agent. And she said, no, she would like to bless Bianca and I for like a half a day uh, out to like uh, an island to see the Great Barrier Reef. So <laughs> it's just so cool because God just, He cares about our wants. Even though it was a small prayer in South Africa, asking God in South Africa, like we really want to do this into sowing an offering and God just made a way. Amen. So yeah, amen. Give God an offering. He's, he's good. He's good. And it just proves that God cares about our wants and He's always listening. He's always waiting for you to ask Him so that He can be glorified. And now, as you can see, 
that through that, this testimony, the Father is glorified. Amen? God always receives the honor. And if you get blessed by God, doesn't matter how small it is or how big it is, make sure that people hear how good the Father was to you. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Who's ready to give tonight? I just want to give you all a challenge. As you're going to give tonight, ask God or tell Him what you want. Like when you're preparing your offering, tell Him, God, I want this. And believe God that He can do greater in your life. Believe that He is a Father and that He does care and that He wants to bless you. And tonight, just take a step of faith and ask God for something that you want today. Can you guys do that tonight? Amen. So if the ushers can please get, uh, come to the front and get ready. Let's just, uh, if you have that offering, whatever way you want to give, let's just hold that offering in our hands. We'll lay hands on the offering. Why? Because the same as when, you know, sick, you know, sick people, we lay hands on sick people so that they can heal. The same thing, we lay hands on our finances because many times our finances are going through a season where it's not healthy. Amen. And we need to pray and ask God to heal our finances. Amen. Okay, Father, we come before you tonight in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray tonight, Father, as people ask you what they want, that you will see and find them faithful to give them what they want, Father. And for every single person, Lord, that they will once again, as they sow into Healing Ministries International, receive a minimum, Lord, of a hundredfold return on what they give. Father, I pray that you give them all their heart's desires, for, Father, whatever they're asking for, that you will do it so that, that you may be glorified through the Son, Lord. And Father, I pray for all, everybody giving tonight, Father, for businesses and families, Father. If the devil has come and tried to steal from us, if he has tried to, to curse us in our finances, we come against that right now in the mighty name of Jesus, and I bind that over your people, and I declare healing over their finances and blessing over them as they give tonight. And everybody who agrees says, Amen. 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 Thank you, Ashley. You can please take up the offering. God bless you. Good evening, everybody. Let's give the uh, worship team a good hand clap again. You know, I'm sure you know this, but if you don't know this, that these guys are an hour or two maybe earlier before the meeting even starts to come and practice. So they put in a lot of time and a lot of effort to bring us into God's presence. So when I say let's give them a nice clap offering, I mean that because they've put a lot of work in to give us what we've received tonight. So come on, let's give God praise for the worship team doing a great, great work. Amen. Well, I'm going to get straight into the word if you would go with me to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. This is kind of where I ended off with last night as I'm teaching on doing the works of Jesus. Our foundation scripture is, and we're not going to read that, but it is out of the first book of Thessalonians, chapter 1, verse 5, where Paul writes and says, Our gospel does not come in word only, but in power and in the Holy Spirit with much assurance. 
How many of you have been here this week to hear this far? How many of you have heard this? So that's our foundation scripture. The gospel is to be presented with the word, I mean with the power and with the Holy Spirit. I didn't get an amen there. Hello, it's not just the preaching of the word, but with the preaching comes a demonstration of the power of God. Can you say amen? But to have a demonstration of God's power, we need the Holy Spirit. Now, when we have the Holy Spirit, we'll have assurance, we'll have a confidence in our God that what we are sharing is true and not a lie. So, in Revelation chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Last night, we kind of just quickly touched on this. Say with me, seven spirits. So, how many spirits are there? Is there one Holy Spirit or are there seven Holy Spirits? There's just one, but there are seven attributes or helps of the Holy Spirit. But I'll get back to that now. Let's read on, verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How many of you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb? What does that mean? How many of you have given your hearts to Jesus, surrendered your life to him? You've become a Christian. You're born again. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Come on, is there anybody here like that tonight? If you're not, you'll get saved at the end of the meeting. Hallelujah. Now, verse 6. If you've never underlined verse 6, I, I teach on this a lot because I think this is very important. He says, and has made us, now who's the us? The ones who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. All right? So the, who, those who have given their hearts to Jesus, He has made us kings and priests to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you become, or sorry, if you give your life to Jesus, you are immediately promoted into a position of leadership and authority. Now it's all quiet. Did you get that? What am I teaching on? As he is, so are we. Now, a lot of people are saying, but I can't be like him. So I'm trying to prove to you this whole week so far that, yes, you can be like Jesus. We're not like a, we're not like a church denomination. We're not following some organization. We're not following a human being on this earth, a man who might be very charismatic or might be very knowledgeable or might be, you know, uh, highly skilled in what he does. We are following Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Come on, I'm speaking to church people here tonight, right? We are speaking to those who are born again, those who have surrendered their heart to Jesus. You didn't give your heart to Jesus, listen to this, to join some gospel club. 
A lot of people, you know, my friends, they, they go to church and it looks real nice because they are partying and they're having a great time. So I want to be there. But the only way I can join this, what they're doing is I have to also give my heart to Jesus. So I'm going to quickly just do a little prayer and give my heart to Jesus. Now I've joined the club. No, my friend, if you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you must do it with everything inside of you. Hello. There's a, there's a price to pay to give your heart to Jesus. Come on, who understands that? If I give my heart to Jesus, I'm not just going to do it to join something. Lord, I'm making a promise to you. I'm giving my life to you. I'm sacrificing my all to you. And it's not just going to be a one day or a one week or a one month decision. This is a decision I'm making to follow you for the rest of my life until I die or until Jesus comes. Come on, can I have a bigger amen if you agree with that? I give my all to him forever. Forever. I've seen so many people go forward, give their hearts to Jesus. They walk out and they still live like the, like the devil, you know. They still live the same like they used to before they gave their hearts to Jesus. I don't believe you gave your heart to Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 clearly says that. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old man has gone, the new man has come. Amen? That's why it's so important for us to understand, and I know we've been hammering on this, but it's very important to have a water baptism. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations and then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Why is water baptism as a Christian so important? And this is what's going to happen on, on, on Sunday night. The moment I give my heart to Jesus, that's good. But the moment I say now, I'm, I'm not just going to give my heart, but I'm going to follow Jesus in full obedience, that means I'm also going to get water baptized, which means I'm going to bury the old man and I'm going to stand up a new man. In other words, the old nature that I had, the, the things I used to do, the way I used to think, the way I used to operate, I'm burying that old man and I'm going to stand up in Christ, the new person, and now I'm going to follow the ways of Jesus Christ. That's why I said we take on the Christian culture. Hello. Yes, we, we are Australians here and some New Zealanders and South Africans here tonight. But let me tell you what. The, yes, you come from a country, but we are born into the family of God now. Amen. We have a Jesus culture. We have a Christian culture. Do you believe that? Turn to your neighbor and say you don't belong to yourself anymore. <laughs> Can I say that again? You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to God. Why? Because you gave your heart to Him. Listen, hey, when I got married to Shemaine, you know, uh, next, next 7th of January, next year will be 30 years. 30 years ago, I, I made a vow to Shemaine and I said, I'm going to marry you. And you're going to be my one and only. I give you my heart. I give you all my money. I give you my possessions. I give everything. <laughs> it's true. Come on, isn't that so? When we get married, she doesn't have her own bank account and I have my own bank account. No, we became one. We share everything. I know some people are looking at me real funny now. But you know what? I trust her. Isn't that what love does? Love trusts. Love brings everything together. We join together. And I made a statement. I said, honey, when I'm gonna, if I'm going to marry you, I promise you I'll never cheat on you. 
Come on now. I'll never cheat on you. You are, you are my, you're my one and only, Shemaine. I don't want to look at another woman. I don't want to have sex with another woman. I don't want to flirt with other women. I don't want to do nothing that will separate my love from you. I am committed to you forever. And when I made that Christian vow that we do so wonderfully in the church, when we say stuff like, until death do us part, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? I'll stick with you. I don't care, Shemaine, if you go blind and you lose your arms and your legs, I'll stick with you forever. <laughs> Trying to make a point here. That's what love does. Who can say amen? Love lays down my life and she's my everything. And I'm committed to her forever. And yet, when we become Christians, don't you understand that? That we are called the bride of Christ. And Jesus, he's our bridegroom. Can you say amen? We're getting married to Jesus. We don't have to wait to get to heaven to marry him. No, when I give my heart to Jesus, I'm getting married to Jesus. And I'm saying, Jesus, here I am. I give myself completely to you. I'm not going to flirt with the world anymore. I'm not going to party with the world. I'm not going to do stuff that the world will try to, you know, influence me and draw me away from you. No, Jesus, I and you, we are one now. Hallelujah. And I'm Committed to you until the day I die or you come and fetch me. Who believes that? See, but most people don't hear this. They just say, well, come on quickly to Jesus. Come on, Jesus loves you. Jesus saves you. He, you know, and then people give their hearts to Jesus. Now they go to church, and then they hear the word being preached. And then they decide, oh, my goodness, no. <laughs> you know, this Christian thing is a little bit more harder than what I thought. Because now, when I read the Bible, there are certain things that I need to, to, to apply in my life. I need to step into the Jesus culture and step out of the worldly culture. Right? And when they, when, they, when they discover, but whoa, I can't do what I used to do anymore. Now, well, you know, uh, I think I'll just, you know, stay at home or not go to church or not serve God because, you know, they're too strict. They, they expect too much. But usually the Bible says count the cost. Before you make a decision, you know, just make sure that, that you, 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 you do a little bit of a background study to understand what decision I'm making. And when I make a decision for Jesus, I'm making a decision that's going to count. You see, Jesus gave his everything for me. That means when I make a decision to, to serve him, I'm giving my everything to him. And what did the blood of Jesus do? It bought me. It paid for me. That's why I say, I don't belong to myself. You don't belong to yourself. You belong to him. And when I say Jesus coming to my heart, it's not this little itty bitty Jesus, you know, hanging on a cross with a thorn crown and a bit of blood coming down his head. It's not that Jesus. It's the resurrected, all-powerful, all-glorious God who was raised from the dead, who conquered death, hell, and the grave. This God comes and lives inside of me. Hallelujah. Inside of you. He's called the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he becomes my master. Yes, he's my friend. But he's my savior. Who, who agrees with what I'm saying? He's my He's my prince of peace. He's my, my, my everlasting God. Think about it. He holds you and I in the palm of his hand. And a lot of people don't, don't you know, uh, 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 understand the seriousness of how big our God is. 
Yes, He loves us. Of course, He loves us. That's why He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us. But yet, we need to understand, Lord, I am now your servant. Yes, I'm your child, but I'm your servant. You are my master. You are my king. And as a king, I will submit under you, and I will serve you, God. Whatever you say, this is the law. I will follow what your word says. True? If you're not willing to do that, my dear friend, then you need to, you know, consider the decision of calling yourself a Christian or calling yourself a churchgoer. Well, somebody would say, yeah, but, you know, it's like my mother. <laughs> when I got saved, you know, I got saved. Uh, those of you who were here Sunday will remember I was an alcoholic and a fighter and everything. And my parents, I used to get drunk at the age of 17. I would get drunk with my mom and dad lying out on the, on the, on the lounge, you know, uh, drinking with them, smoking with them, and uh, partying with them and doing stuff with them. And then I get saved. When I got saved, I, you know, I just point blank stopped all of that. I said, that's it. I, you know, I'm not like a dog returning to its own, own vomit. Who knows? That's what the Bible says. I said, the Lord set me free. If he set me free from this, I'm not going to go back to that. I'm free. And my mom and dad looked at me and they said, you're mad. What happened to you? You used to be a nice guy. You used to be fun to be around with. Now all we hear is Jesus and Bible and da 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 da, and you, you know, and, and all. But I understood that because a prophet has no honor in his own home. And when you become the one who is saved and you sold out for Jesus, you know, you're gonna lose your friends. No, I know you didn't want to hear that one. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose family people. They're not going to like you anymore. You know why? Because the presence of God in your life, the moment you step into a room and those sinners are sitting there, the presence of God, the Holy Ghost just comes and bam, convicts them. They just hate it when you walk in. I love it when I walk in. They hate it. Come on, who understands it? It's fun. I like it. I like tormenting the devil, bless God. I'm not getting an amen here either. Well, Brother Hockey, I'm not like you. Well, change and become like Jesus. Amen. We are Christians. When Jesus walked into the place, the demons begin to tremble. They fell on the ground and said, why have you come to torment us? Am I speaking the truth? Yeah, Jesus just walked into place and the demons recognized who he was. You and I should be so full of God's glory that the demons must recognize who we are. We are not, you know, pathetic little worms. We are king's kids, children of the most high God. We walk with authority. Come on. We walk with the power. We walk with the glory. We walk with an anointing, bless the Lord. Why? To set the captives free. Why? Here's the big picture. Heaven, hell. There's a heaven there's a hell. Now, the Bible says that to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us, the ones who have been born again now, he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So when you and I step in, we step over the realm, we step out of the world into God's kingdom, we become leaders for Jesus. Now, I tell you what, you get good leaders and bad leaders. 
in the Old Testament, you can go and study it, and, and I, would, I would encourage you to go and read the Bible. You will find the Bible is full of, of good priests and bad priests, good kings and bad kings. Who can say amen? amen. It's full of it, full of it. I don't want to be bad. I want to be good. Who can say amen? I want, to be, I want to be good in my leadership. When Jesus walked, thousands of people followed him wherever he went. Isn't that true? Why? Because they saw his leadership skills. They saw the power, the anointing that was on his life. And now God comes and he says to us, you too, all of you sitting here, all of you have the same ability like Jesus Christ. You have the same ability, like Jesus Christ, to be an effective leader for his kingdom. See, when I begin to say stuff like this, I, can, I see your mind goes blank. Yes, you can. Why? Because as he is, so are we. Who agrees? You are something so big. You haven't even discovered how big you are. Who believes that? Hmm? I, I, I didn't put this up there, Petra, but as the Lord's leading me, go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Are you all okay? Who's glad they've come tonight? Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil's not glad you are here. Verse 18, Petra. Watch the scripture. Now, when I said, I just said it now, I said, you guys that are sitting here, there is something great that needs to happen. I'll prove it by this verse. Verse 18 says, Paul writes, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, somebody says sufferings. Now, what is that? Is that a negative thing? No, it's a good thing because there will be persecution when you stand for God. Hello? So we are going to all go through this, and I'm not going to get into all of that teaching now, but, but you are going to, you know, the moment you go for God, you'll go through persecution. But the good news is, he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the ones who've been washed in the blood. He's speaking to the Christian. Can you say amen? He's speaking to all of us in this room tonight. And I want you to get this. Watch this. He says, there is a glory inside of you that is yet to be revealed. There is a glory inside of you and me. That is yet to be revealed. And verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. 
So there is this earnest expectation. There is a yearning. You might not see it. You might not even believe it. But I'm telling you, spiritually speaking, there is a yearning of the people of Gladstone, of Australia, and of the world who is longing to see these people who call themselves the children of God. They want to see the glory that is inside of you. In other words, what you are preaching, what you are saying, what you are believing, it needs to be manifested. I've said this many times, but I'll say it again. That's why the world has created the superheroes. <laughs> because the world hasn't seen the superheroes who needs to rise up. Batman. Well, Superman. Superman can fly through the air. Superman is strong. Superman can walk through the walls and see through walls. And, and you know, he's like, woo, everybody likes him. And then they brought in the Wonder Woman. And now they're even bringing in people who call themselves gods. Come on, think about it. They're calling themselves Thor and whoever these people are. They, they have these abilities because the world is yearning. There is an earnest expectation of the world to see a glory, to see the supernatural. Yet God comes and he says, hey, you who've given your heart to Jesus, you have, who have received God inside of you, there is a glory inside of you that is yet to be revealed. You need to discover this glory. Who believes that? Who wants to let that glory come out of you? Come on, there's an expectation. I hope I'm stirring you up. Let me tell you, when I got saved, as you know, I started immediately. Three days after I got saved, the glory that God had inside of me started coming out. And, and I prayed for people whose legs were, you know, were broken. And I cast out demons. And I prayed for blind people. And God healed them. And I prayed for deaf people. And all of a sudden, this Jesus that was so far away and untouchable. And, and this God that I didn't want to know. And I didn't want to you know, have any relation. All of a sudden. Sudden, this God became so real, I couldn't get enough of Him. I still can't get enough of Him. Is anybody understanding that? I, once you've tapped into this glory, once you've tapped into it, it you know, man, there's nothing greater than that. You can get into a 900cc engine car. For the guys here, or maybe the ladies who understand that I'm talking about, a little, you know, a little itty bitty engine, like a go kart, you know, and you can, you can start this thing, and then you go, and your foot's down on the gas, you know, your petrol, and you can't, you, you know, you're doing 25 k's an hour, and it's very nice. But getting to a V8 engine, <laughs> who understands? Getting to a 12-cylinder V8, you know, a car that goes from 0 to 102.9 seconds. There's a difference from driving that car and driving a little go-kart. Who can say amen? There's a difference. There's a, and when, once you've tasted that power, once you've had that adrenaline rush of what that car can do, well, this is what I'm trying to say. This is what Jesus is like. You know, a lot of people just talk about Jesus, but they haven't tapped into him. But once you've tapped into the power of God, you're addicted. I say, I don't want anything else, Lord. This is what I want. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And a lot of you just looking at me because you've never tapped into it. This is why I'm trying to teach you. Tap into it. All you young people, listen. Listen. 
You are the future. I'm not just saying that because there is, a, there is a generation of young people who've never tapped into this glory. You see, there are three generations that is sitting in the church. There is the older generation, I would say from 70 years up, who've come out of a history of revival. They've seen the glory, the power of God. I will even go a little bit lower. Let's say from 50 up, we've had a move. I've experienced, I got, I got born again in a revival. I've seen the glory of God. But then there's this, this generation that has, has, has grown up into a, into a church, a movement, where there's been no, no manifestation of God's glory. Hello? Yeah. They just come to church, they're happy, preach the word, let's go home, you know, and that's about it. But I'm telling you, you young people, God is stirring up a young generation who's going to experience the power of God like never before. Hallelujah. Come on. God's going to stir up something inside you. That's why you love going to extreme. That's why you love going to these places where, where things are happening. If you guys don't step up, listen, young people, if you don't step up and take the baptism, the glory, what I'm preaching, then it's going to die out. Your children will not experience this. You have to step up. Who agrees? They have to step up. Now watch this good verse. Go with me to um, uh, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1. Hallelujah. Is anybody still okay? Who agrees with what I'm saying? Our young people is the generation that's going to carry the Pentecostal revival. I'm telling you right now. I'm prophesying tonight. I'm prophesying not to a Joshua generation. You know, a lot of people speak about the Joshua generation. I'm the Joshua generation, but there's a Lazarus generation, bless God. A generation that's going to step out of the grave and rise up. Come on, who agrees with that? There's going to be a generation of non-compromising young men and women who will say, listen, we're fed up with this make-believe Christianity, the showmanship that you have. Yes, it's nice, the, the lights and the smoke and all of that, but we want the power. We want to see the glory. We want to see the anointing. We don't want to have just a little mamsy-pamsy little teaching. Amen. You're sick and tired of just this little tick in my ears and make me feel good. Give us something that we can take home. Amen. Watch this. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4, he says, Then the word of the Lord came to me. Now, those of you who don't know, God is speaking to a young man. He's 17 years old. Jeremiah, 17. He's a young teenager. And God speaks to him and he says to him, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Hallelujah. You say, well, why do you say hallelujah? What, what's so good about that? Before you and I were born, before your mommy and daddy thought about making you or making me, you know, our parents, God already knew about you. Who understands what I'm saying? God knows of you. He knows about you. Before you were born, He already knew you. Amen? So it's not perchance that you are sitting here tonight. You are here with a purpose and a reason, and God put you here, and you don't even know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. He didn't bring me all the way from Africa to come and preach here and waste your time. He put me here with a reason to stir something up inside of you to tell you, listen, my dear friend, God knew you before you were born and God has a destiny and a plan and a call for your life. And there's a glory inside of you. There's an anointing that needs to come out. Hallelujah. 
Amen. So before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. What does that mean? I set you apart. I set you apart. Joe, I set you apart. Mary, I set you apart. Yes, I, you don't see what I can see. God says, you know, in Isaiah 58, I believe it is, he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. Who understands that? With God, all things are possible. Man, he's got, he's got something so big and so amazing for us. Jeremiah says, I know the plans and the purposes that I have for you. Plans to prosper you, plans to bless you, plans to, to, to help you grow in this time that we are living in. A curse, Lord is just speaking through me right now. A curse has been spoken out over our teenagers. A curse called the millennials. Speaking about these little zombie kids who are, and it's in a sense true, but we have these little robot children just on our iPads and our cell phones, you know, and this is all we can do, and we know we can't think for ourselves. And I'm breaking that curse in the name of Jesus Christ. You are not zombie children who are bound by all of this. You are children of the Most High God who will move in the power and the glory of God like never before. Come on. You are awesome. Awesome. Amen. And if somebody tries to, you know, uh, we say, uh, uh, have a saying in our country, when there's a fire burning, you know, there's somebody with a wet blanket to try and kill the fire. I want to tell you right now to all the younger people sitting here, don't let somebody older be a wet blanket and knock your fire out. Come on, you don't let someone knock your fire out. You begin to prophesy, you lay hands, you preach, you speak in tongues, you just go hard after God. Come on, and that's for anybody else who wants that. You just go hard after God. Don't worry about what they say. If I had to listen in the last 28 years what people speak about me, I would have long time ago given up. But thank God he shut my ears. Hallelujah. I don't listen to what people say. Why? Because I've discovered a thing in my life, and I'm going to share this with you. I don't fear man. I respect them, but I don't fear them. I fear God. I fear God. Amen. Does that mean that I'm, you know, that I'm going to do, no, 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 no. We, there's lessons you have to learn, submission and servanthood and all of that stuff, but I still fear him. And if he said to me, what I tell you in the dark, you shout it out from the rooftops, I'll do it. And whether people love me or hate me for what I'm saying, I don't care. You know why? You're not going to judge me. God's going to judge me. <laughs> Hallelujah, that's a horrible thought. <laughs> but we're going to be judged. Listen, all of you are going to be judged. All of us will be judged. I would rather be judged by God for the good that I've done and the, and the faith I had in Him and, the, and, and, and respecting Him and doing what He has told me to do than worried and be concerned about what you think about me saying. I don't care what you think. And you know I love you. Who understands that we love? It's not being disrespectful. But sometimes, you know, many people are hiding the truth. But the Bible says when the spirit of truth comes, it's the truth that will set us free. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
So what does God say? He says to Jeremiah, before you, I formed you in the womb of your mother, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart for me. And this is for Jeremiah. He says, I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Can you imagine that? That Jeremiah's calling before he was even born was to be a prophet. What's yours? What's your calling? What are you called? What has God set you apart for? You're not hearing this. I'm asking you tonight, what has God set you apart for? And if you say, I don't know, Dion, then you need to start fasting and you need to start praying and you need to start reading the scripture and you need to dig in and get to God where he can speak to you and show you. And don't run after the prophets who prophesy. That's good. God can use people to speak to us sometimes. But you get to God and you hear his voice and you understand what his plan and purpose is for you. Amen. See, I'm standing here preaching tonight because I know that I know who I am in Christ and I know my destiny. I know my calling. And I know that what I'm doing is of God tonight. Hallelujah. So he says to him, before you were born, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I called you to be a prophet. But now watch this to these young people. Then Jeremiah says to the Lord, he's 17 years old. He says, our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I'm a youth. In other words, I'm young. Who's going to listen to me? I remember when I got saved at the age of 25, I used to pray, Lord, give me gray hair. I really did. I said, Lord, just make me gray because I'm preaching to people who have been in church for 67 years, you know, and they know it all. And I'm going to come. What does this little 25-year-old kid know? You know, what do I know? Because I would preach like I'm preaching. We have witnesses sitting in this church who've seen me grow up and, and grow in the Lord. And my message has never changed from that time until now. Who can say amen? Thank God. My message has never changed. But there were times when I would feel so e. Because, you know, there are these people who just sit like this. You know, who does he think he is? Man, I'm excited tonight. There's a revival about to break out. There's a storm brewing in the spirit over Gladstone. There's thunder and lightning. The clouds are getting closer. It's getting darker and darker. See, Jeremiah, uh, who was it? Uh, who prayed uh, uh, and, and asked the Lord, who, who prayed for the rain to come? Elijah. Elijah prayed. And, you know, while he was praying, listen, again, I'm, I'm just, I, I, I sense I'm flowing in the prophetic again. You've been praying for revival. We've been asking God to do something. And every time uh, the prophet prayed, he would send his servant up the mountain. Oh, Lord, listen to what I'm saying. His servant would run up. Think about this. He's down here praying, Lord, send the rain, send the rain, because there was a big drought, you see, in the country back then. And he would pray, Lord, send the rain. And, and then he would tell his servant, go, go up the mountain, see if the clouds are coming and I can just imagine the servant you know saying oh my master told me to climb the mountain so he's all tired and sweaty he gets up to the top he says, there's nothing nothing oh I'll just go down again and he falls and scratches his leg and you know he twists his ankle and he gets down and, and the prophet says well is there any rain coming he says no there's nothing and he prays again huh? and you know what uh, Elijah did he, 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 he went into a position of giving birth and, and if you guys know about intercessory prayer a woman back then when they would give birth they would sit like this and they would pray you know and the pregnant woman this is 
pushing a child out. And, and, and Elijah was in the position of praying and interceding and giving birth. And I want to tell you that Australia is in a time of giving birth right now. Hallelujah. There is a birthing taking place. The water has broken. You're not hearing what I'm saying. The baby is about to pop out. But for the baby to pop out, there's things that happen in between. Eli, Elijah prayed, he said, he's, it was Gehazi, right? He's seven. He said, go back up the mountain, see if the cloud's there. And so the servant went back up, climbing up, you know. And he was just complaining all the time. Man, I just don't want to do this. And then he gets up there, no clouds, no clouds. And he sent them up and down, who knows how many times. There's something about the number seven, who can agree? Seven, seven, seven. Seven is everywhere in the Bible. And I want to tell you, a lot of you sitting here tonight, that God is speaking to you. He's saying to you, be a servant. He's saying to you, come on, stand up. Be, you know, you're going to climb the mountain. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be hot. You know, you're going to fall and twist your ankle. But God's saying the time is now. The time is coming for those clouds to form together. You see, because when he went up the seventh time, he said to Elijah, the servant came down. He said, Elijah, there's the cloud the size of a man's hand. There is something there. I see it, but it's not what you're praying. It's not what you're expecting to happen. But God is saying, don't worry, because that cloud is going to draw near and it's going to begin to bring the water. And this is what I sense God is saying over Australia. Man, there is a thundering. There is a drawing of the anointing coming. Hallelujah. There are people being raised up in this last day, this end time movement. He was an ear, let him hear, write this down, put it on the internet. I'm prophesying that there is a revival coming to Australia. One that has been spoken about many years ago. That time is now, it's coming. And it's gonna come through people like this. Hallelujah. And let me tell you another thing the Lord is saying. You might say to me, but I'm a nobody. I'm insignificant. This is the wonders about God. He uses the nobodies and makes them somebodies. And the somebodies are going to become nobodies. Because the somebodies are full of arrogance and pride. And they think they've accomplished something. But God says, you ain't seen nothing yet. There's a great move of my spirit coming. And I'm going to use the nobodies so that they can become somebodies. Come on, that's us tonight. Hallelujah. God's going to raise you up. Hallelujah. God says tonight, he, you know, Eli, uh, 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 the prophet said to him, he said, I cannot speak because I'm just a youth, Jeremiah. But God said to him the following, all of us, every, not just young now tonight, all of us sitting in this room, God says to you, he says, do not say that I am a youth. Don't say I'm too young. But here's the prophetic word of the Lord tonight. He says, you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces. So when things get rough while I'm preaching, I just take my glasses off because then I see nothing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do not say. I'm too young, or I cannot, because as he is, so are we. Come on, who agrees with what I'm teaching tonight? As Jesus is, so are we. Young people, I was making a study on Joseph. You know, and Joseph, uh, uh, 
was the, the son of, of Jacob. He had how many sons? Twelve sons. Think about this, twelve sons. And he was, uh, he was like the youngest one, right? Second youngest one. And um, old Jacob just loved him. He made him a coat. You know, a coat with multicolors, called the multicolored coat. Which if you go and study all of that, there's quite significant information concerning that. But the thing is, these, these multicolors and all the patches and stuff that he put on, you know, put together as a garment and he put it over Joe, it means the different talents and abilities. Are you hearing me? All of you and us, all of us, have been blessed with talents and abilities because of the Holy Spirit. And they vary in color and they vary in size. But you see, when God started favoring old Joseph, his brothers, and I don't have time to read it. You can go and read it for yourself. But there's three interesting things that I find. The first thing that I find is his brothers hated him. This is the word. You can study it for yourself. The word is they hated him. Listen, when you operate in the anointing and you operate in the gifts, there will be people who will hate you for who you are. And especially when God gives you a dream and he gives you a vision and he gives you a purpose and he gives you a goal and you know that you know, but this is of God. And the moment you share that revelation, there will be people who will hate you for it. They will hate you for it. And you know what? The second thing is not only that they hate him, but the hatred also turned into jealousy. And they became so jealous. So jealous. You know why they're jealous? Because of the anointing. They're jealous because you are hungry for God. How hungry are you for God that people hate you and are jealous of you because of what you are doing out of obedience to the Father? And because God spoke to you and gave you a vision and he gave you a purpose that you are going to say, I will not deviate from what God has called me, but I'm going to stick to my purpose and I'm going to stick to my calling. And I don't care, Lord, what they say, how jealous they become, I'll work for you. And in this process of working, listen to what I'm telling you. In this process of, of going for your goal, going for your dream, Satan comes because they took Joseph and they sold him to, for slavery. Who understands that? In, in that time of slavery, they threw him in the pit. And in the pit, in the darkest hour, when poor old Joseph is saying, but God, I, I don't deserve this. I just told my family, my friends, the closest to me, I told them what you showed me. And now they're selling me off and throwing me in this pit. I don't deserve this. But God said, hey, don't you worry, my friend. You don't know, but I know I'm preparing you for the destiny that is lying ahead of you. Hallelujah. I'm preparing you. You are in the dark time. You are going through through stuff, but I'm going to develop you in the pit. These two are in the pit. Doesn't look like it, but they're in the pit. You didn't get that. You're in the pit. You're in the pit. You go for Jesus. They're going to laugh at you. 
Your friends at school are going to mock you, say, are you really one of those that don't believe in sex before, you know, sex before marriage? Really? You say, you betcha. I'm not getting an amen from these young people now. It's all quiet now. No sex before marriage. Come on, who agrees? No sex. It's a Jesus culture. It's a God thing. It's not a Dion Hockey Church thing. Keep your virginity pure for the one that you're going to get married to. You want to tell me, are you one of those? You're not even going to have a drink, a glass of wine, have a beer, you know, just have a shot or do something? No, thank you. No, thank you. Why not? What's the matter with you? Jesus. Jesus. What do you mean Jesus? He lives in me. And because he lives in me, I'm saying no to alcohol. I'm saying no to drugs. I'm saying no to cigarettes because my God lives inside of me. And I'm not going to force my God who never got drunk, who never had pornography, who never smoked, who never did all of this stuff. I'm not going to force my Jesus living in me to do that. Come on, somebody. I'm sold out to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's my everything. See, that's the persecution. That's the hardships, the trials, and the testings. Well, you're too serious, and you take this thing too far. Absolutely. Why? Because my Jesus took it to the extreme. You can talk about me, and you can mock me, and you can hate me, and you can throw me into prison, and you can lock me up in chains, and you can beat me up, and you can do whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not turning my back on my Jesus because there's a time coming when God's going to take me out and my vision is going to come into reality and I'm going to step into the glory, into that position that he has predestined for me. Come on, hallelujah. There is a glory inside of each and every one of you that is yet to be revealed. I said there is something inside of you that is yet to be revealed. You just don't know it. But you need to step out of your comfort zone. You need to step out on the boundaries that people have put around you. And you need to go for God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're special neighbor. The Bible says, verse 80 says, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And watch this tonight. I'm just, uh, this is so under the anointing of God tonight. I'm telling you what, I had something else planned to preach, but this is God. And I'm going to act on this word. Verse 9 is what I'm going to act tonight on, verse 9 and 10. He says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and he touched my mouth. Are you listening? The Lord put forth his hand, he touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day, this day, I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms, watch this now, to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. If anybody of you do not understand the calling of a prophet, this is what a prophet will do. He will root out, pull down, destroy, throw out, break down, and then he will build and plant. Australia and South Africa 
and New Zealand and America and whatever nation there is represented here, let me tell you, the devil is rampant in the world today. But God is seeking warriors. He's seeking Jeremiah's again. He's seeking Ezekiel's and Isaiah's and John's and Peter's and Mark and Luke and Paul's. He's seeking them to stand up. Can I lay my hand on you tonight? Can I ask God to put his word in your mouth? Can I ask you that he will do something in you so bold, so, so overwhelmingly great that tomorrow when people look at you, they're going to go, Huh? You know, it was Smith Wigglesworth that when one day he, was, he got in London, he was preaching, and he got on a bus to drive from one place to another, and as he got on the bus, he just took, um, he, he actually just sat there minding his own business, and actually he sat down, sorry, next to a person, and he just sat down minding his own business, and this man who was sitting next to Smith Wigglesworth turned around, and he said, sir, I don't know what it is about you, but your very presence convicts me of my sin, and he fell to his knees and gave his heart to Jesus in the bus. May we have such an anointing upon us that when we enter a place, the power of God will convict the people of this sin. Come on, who wants that? I want that. Now listen to me. You all put your hand up. To get there costs you. It costs you. Somebody said, well, you don't have to pay a price. Jesus paid the price. <laughs> really? Yes, he paid the price for us. Of course he did. But it's still going to cost me. It's going to cost me sacrifice. It's going to cost me my time, my lifestyle. It's going to cost me, you know, a lot of things. I can't make you pray. I I can't make you read your Bible. It is now when you put down your cell phone and say, Jesus, I'm going to pray. It is now when I turn off the TV and say, Lord, I'm going to spend time with you. Who understand? That's an effort. It is now the time when I'm going to set my clock for not eight, but for seven. And I'm going to get up an hour earlier. And Lord, I'm going to talk to you. And Jesus, in the secret place, you and I are going to have a visitation together. And Lord, you're going to give me revelation and understanding of your word. And as I speak to you, God, that still small voice, you'll open my eyes. I'm so excited. I'm telling you what, there's an anointing in here. I know maybe you would not feel this, but I feel it. It's like my my body is vibrating with the glory. God is about to do something big in Gladstone. I'm prophesying it in Jesus' name. And those who want to stay behind, hey, God bless you. But I'm not staying behind. I'm moving forward. Come on, who's I'm going to move with the cloud. I'm going to move with the glory. I'm going to go where God wants me to go. Before I pray with you, can I ask you all just to bow your head and close your eyes? Sister Kate, where are you? Who feels inspired tonight by this?
You cannot, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot experience or understand what I'm talking about if you have not yet given your heart to Jesus. You have to surrender your life to the King. You have to give your everything to Jesus tonight. I'm not talking about a sissified little confession. I'm talking about a decision that you make to surrender your life 100% to God. Some of you have given your life to Jesus, but you are living a life of sin. And you can get mad at me, but I don't care. You are still living a life of sin. Sin is rampant in your life. You haven't died to self. Some of you want to be water baptized on Sunday night, but you need to die to self. Some of you have been sitting in church for 20 years, but you've opened the door to sin. You've opened the door to Satan. He's put his, not just his foot in, but he's walked right into your life. Your family can see it. Your lifestyle produces it. You used to be so fearful of God. You used to have so much respect. You used to, you used to pray so hard and, and used to worship so long and, and, and do things. And now all of a sudden it's gone. That passion is gone. But God is calling you back tonight. God is saying tonight, I want you to draw a line in the sand. You draw a line. And on the one side of the line will be death and the other side will be life. See this night, says the Lord, I give you a choice. You can choose either life or you can choose either death. See, God says tonight for me to tell you, I've given each and every one of you a free will. I've given you a free will. I've given you the ability to make a choice. You choose what you want. And God says, I'm not standing in your way for whatever choice you make. But I do know this. God says, if you choose me, you will never be the same again. If you are sitting here tonight, you say, Brother Dion, I liked what you preached and I understand it, but what do you want me to do? I want you to surrender to God. When I, when I count to three, and I want you to raise your hand if you choose to, I want you to give your life completely to Jesus. Don't stand with one foot in the world and one foot in the grave. Stand either 100% for Jesus or stand with both feet in the grave, but don't be lukewarm tonight. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be lukewarm. The Bible says it. He says, God says, if you are lukewarm, He says, I, I choose either you were hot or you were cold, but don't be lukewarm because if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. God is knocking at your door, friend. 
And I'm not trying to say stuff here to move your emotions. Although this is an emotional time, I understand that. But I want you to understand the reality of the decision you make when you, when you leave this room. If I give my heart to God, it's going to be forever. It's going to be complete. It's going to be a sacrifice that I'm making to serve Him. It'll be a good one. Don't misunderstand me. It's always good when we serve God. But it's a decision I want to make tonight for Him. Not for Dion Hockey, not for the Assembly of God Church, not for my parents. It's a choice I'm going to make for myself and for Him. If you say, Brother Dion, would you pray for me tonight? I want to give my life to Jesus. I did it on Sunday, but you know what, Dion? I still haven't really made the decision. Oh, I did it last week. I gave my heart, but I really didn't make that decision. Or oh, three months ago, I gave my heart to Jesus. But you know what? I really didn't. I really didn't surrender my all. But tonight, I want to make right with God. Dion, please pray for me. I need Jesus. Nobody looking except me at the count of three. If you want to do that, you put your hand up when I say three. And I will gladly pray with you. Are you ready? One, two, three. Thank you, 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 thank you. Those of you who raised your hands, again, not for me, but for Jesus. Would you mind just to stand to your feet? Come on, those of you who raised your hands, stand for Jesus. Stand for Jesus. And those of you who have taken this bold step of standing for Jesus, take a bigger step and come stand here in front of me. I'd love to pray with you. Come on, let's give God praise for these people who are coming forward. I know some of you will say, but I've done this like 10 times. Well, make sure tonight that you do it completely. Make it real tonight. Those sitting in the audience, I want you to help me, audience. Would you please turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, are you very sure your life is right with God? Come on, evangelize. Would you help me? Evangelize. Evangelize. If they're not sure, yes, God bless you. Come on down. Hallelujah. Come on down. Come on down. God bless you. Come on down. God bless you. Come on, somebody get excited. This is the miracle of all miracles. This is the biggest miracle you will ever witness. anybody else anybody else you say but I'm not even of this church so what it's not your church that's going to take you to heaven Jesus Christ will take you to heaven if you died right now 
How many of you know death is one breath away? This is how quick you die. Literally, watch this. <sighs> Dead. That's how quick it is. And if you had to die tonight without knowing Jesus Christ, and whether you did believe in heaven or you didn't believe in the heaven or in a hell or you didn't believe, the fact of the matter is reality will hit you when you die. And here's the, the bad news. The bad news is if you did die without knowing Jesus and you went to hell, you can never get out of hell again. This is the bad news. Your priest, your pastor, me, nobody can pray you out of hell. I've heard people say, we can pray you out of hell. That's a lie of the devil. God gives you a choice tonight to receive Christ, to prevent you from going to that horrible place. But the good news is, the good news is you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. Somebody said, well, well, why are you saying that so directly? Because this is not game playing. Don't say, I'll give my life to Jesus tomorrow or next week or when I'm ready. You'll never be ready. It's a decision you've just got to make. Because Satan will always try to pull you away from God. You know, the Bible says, that the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. Now we from Africa, we've seen many lion hunts. And I'm sure you've seen it on Google or on whatever, YouTube. And a lion just doesn't go up and catch somebody. A lion hides away in the tall grass and he watches his prey. And if there's a group of antelope walking, he'll look for the weak one, the sick one, or the one who's just outside of the group. And the moment you are separated, he pounces on you. That's the devil. Father, I pray that those who need to be up front here tonight will respond now in Jesus' name. I bind, I bind that compromising antichrist spirit of fear in Jesus name I rebuke you Satan you take your hands off of people who need to get saved tonight you let those people go those blinding spirits those deaf spirits loose them now in Jesus name you will not steal somebody's soul tonight intercessors pray in tongues if you can we are in a battle we are in a battle right now. The devil is fighting for a soul and God is fighting for a soul. My friend, I'm telling you now, you know who you are. Do I know how you know who you are? Because your hands are sweating right now. You are feeling absolutely uncomfortable. You want to get out of this building and you want to run for that door. But I know you cannot run because God is calling you right now. You just stand up, friend, and you make right. Is God angry at you? Never. Is God mad at you? Never. Does God hate you? Never. Does He love you? Yes. Will He forgive you? Yes. Can He change you? Completely. Like a father standing with open arms. He wants to welcome you home.
intercessors pray. Just pray. I'm going to count two, three again. And if you want to stand up tonight and walk forward, I want you to swallow your pride. <clears throat> Forget about your buddy that's next to you or your family member who's next to you. You give your heart to Jesus. Don't be scared. One. Come, friend. Come. Make right. Two. My last call, then I'll stop. Ready? If you want to, just stand up right now. Three. Let's all stand to our feet. By the Spirit of the living God, I'm going to lead you all to Jesus, but then under that unction, the anointing, I'm going to lay my hands on your mouths tonight. And we are going to trust God that He will put His words in your mouth. Who's ready for that tonight? Supernatural anointing to come upon you tonight. Spirit of boldness like never before. So all of you up front here, I know many of you are making a rededication. I understand that, but make it real tonight. Put your hand in front of you, close your eyes, and church in the back, stretch your hands out to all of these people standing here. And would you pray this after me? Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, everybody, say, Heavenly Father. I stand before you tonight, and I confess that I have sinned. But I ask you right now to please forgive me all my sins. I believe that the blood of Jesus washes me and cleanses me of all my sin. As I stand here now, I have no more sin. I've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I ask you now, come and live in my heart. I receive you as my God, my Savior, and my best friend. I understand that you are my Lord, my Master, my King. And under your kingship, I will submit. I will follow you with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my being. Thank you for saving me tonight. If I die, I won't go to hell. I will go to heaven because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Father, for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a big clap offering tonight. Hallelujah.
How many of you, how many of you standing in front here prayed this prayer for the first time in your life? Anybody else? Wonderful. How many of you in front here are not from this church? Raise your hand if you're not from this church. Now, those of you who prayed this prayer for the first time and those of you who are not from the church, don't worry, we're not trying to, you know, make you members of this church, but we would love to get your information because the pastors or somebody from the church is going to phone you up next week or sometime and they're going to do what is called a courtesy call. We're going to say, hey, we saw you give your life to Jesus. Can we pray with you? Is there anything we can help? Is that okay? So can I ask that those who put their hands up now, you said, I'm not of this church and I've given my heart for the first time. Just lift your hand again, would you? And then we're going to go down. Where is Tians? There we are. Just go down this middle aisle. Please, those of you, raise your hand. You're going to get back. I'm going to pray with you. But quickly go down to the room in the back there. We're just going to get your detail. Come on. Let's go. Let's go down that way. Wave your hand. Wave your hand. There is Pastor Malcolm. Just follow Pastor Malcolm. Come on. The rest of you may be seated. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor, I want you to help me. Pastor James, where are you? Who enjoyed this tonight? Who's coming back tomorrow night? Is Wednesday night traditionally the big night, you know, when everybody goes to church on a Wednesday? In America it is. America is the... Let's believe God for this place to be full tomorrow night. Thank you for the on fire young people. Who's going to believe with me the rest for a full church tomorrow? All right. So those of you who want, I'm going to ask Pastor James. I'm going to lay hands on him first. And then Pastor and I will come and we'll lay our hands on your mouth. And God's going to put his word in you. Who believes that tonight? All right. Come on down. Let's form our lines. Let's form our lines. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, I want everybody to come down. You didn't come here tonight just to sit and observe. You've come here to receive. Come on, you've come to receive. You didn't come to look. You've come to receive. Don't let pride hold you from coming forward. Don't stand behind somebody. They're going to fall over. So we don't want anybody to fall on top of you. Thank you, Lord. As you form your line, as you settle into the line, close your eyes and lift your hands and just begin to get into this receiving mode. I want you to receive, receive tonight. God's about to pour His Spirit out on you. He's preparing you for the revival. Come on. That's it. Come on, concentrate on Him. Come on, 
Thank you, Jesus. I want you to understand and consider what is about to happen. It's not just a man laying a hand on you. I'm trusting, I believe, prophetically, all of us who are Pentecostal here tonight, who understands the prophetic movement, that there is a prophetic anointing upon me, and it's about to manifest. God put forth His hand, and he put words into the mouth of Jeremiah. Words to speak, words of boldness, words of courage. Tonight, I believe the same God who touched Jeremiah is going to touch you. I believe tonight some of you who've been afraid of man will be set free from this thing. That you will not fear man, but you will fear God. I believe with the boldness will come wisdom. Because when God touched Jesus with the Holy Spirit, the seven attributes of the Holy Spirit was wisdom, holiness, power, counsel, understanding, the fear of the Lord. This is what's going to happen to you. God's going to baptize you with His Holy Spirit. He's going to put this, this fear, this anointing, this boldness inside of you. And then tomorrow, you're going to face people. You're going to have words of wisdom come through. You're going to speak to people. You're going to prophesy over people. You're going to, God's going to show you things you've never seen. But He'll reveal to you a sickness maybe or a condition or a, or a problem that the people you are talking to. And, and then that boldness will come and you're going to lay your hands or you're going to pray. You're going to minister on a one-to-one -one basis tomorrow. Some of the people will laugh at you. Some of the people will mock you. But don't worry about that. You just trust God. The anointing that you have received tonight will teach you tomorrow. The anointing you've received tonight will teach you tomorrow. Have faith in Him. Now, Father, out of obedience, I believe, of the Holy Spirit, I ask you to touch Pastor James as he will minister with me, Lord. And that, Lord, the moment he will touch the people of the church, your word 
your power will flow through him into the people. I release this anointing. I release this power in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I thank you for this, Lord. And as you touch him, Lord, you touch people through him. And you anoint. Those that are sick, Lord, I ask you to heal the sick bodies. Those who are bound by demon spirits will be set free. Those who are hearing voices and having mental conditions, that you'll set them free. God, just move in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. As you are led, Pastor.